Welcome to Screen Time with Roe and Roper. I'm Roe Khan. He's Richard Roper, Chicago Sun-Times film critic and former co-host of Ebert and Roper. And I'm Roe Khan, longtime Chicago radio broadcaster. This podcast, Richard, is called Screen Time because everything that we consume, we consume on a screen. Whether we're watching a movie, we're watching TV, news, sports, whatever it happens to be, life going by, our own children, we are looking at them on a screen. Sometimes screens within screens, screens next to screens. And you're right, whether it's a, a major motion picture, and of course, most of us are still watching that uh, those at home now, or it's a TV series or a limited series or a viral video of how a whale has somehow bonded with a baby piglet, and there's a dog that knows how to open the door and let them in so they can save the guy who was choking, and yet there were three cameras filming it, but we all choke up watching it. Everything's on screen being captured on some sort of screen we're screening everything. Right. Whether it is a film, it's television, it's news, it's sports, things on the YouTubes. We'll be talking about those as well because we're all experiencing that together. And some of it makes sense and a lot of it doesn't. So we'll try to make sense of that. <laughs> and one of the other things we're promising in this podcast is to give you suggestions of the highest quality, best, most entertaining stuff that you can see because it's a blizzard. It's an incredible array out there. I reviewed more movies and streaming shows in 2020 than I have at any point in my career row. And there are still tons of great shows where I'm like, oh, I got to catch up with that one. And all of this is being brought to you by AmericanEagle.com, our fine sponsor. The digital landscape is changing rapidly. And to compete in today's business environment, you need an experienced partner. Since 1995, AmericanEagle.com has partnered with companies of all sizes, offering web design, development, e-commerce, mobile apps, and digital marketing to drive your overall business success because they believe today's online world is your opportunity. To get started today, visit AmericanEagle.com. Golden Globe nominations have just been announced, and let's talk about what people are going to be seeing when that actually comes on because the entire award season has been pushed back. Normally, we'd be having the Golden Globes right now, Ro, the ceremony itself, but the nominations just came out. The ceremony is going to be in another month. Tina Fey and Amy Poehler are going to host. They're going to be on opposite coasts. We don't know yet if they're going to have the presenters and the winners and nominees in a room somewhere or if it'll be one of those virtual deals. I will say this, though, Ro, it was kind of great. When the nominations were announced, you know, they still do that old Hollywood thing where it's five o'clock in the morning in Los Angeles because they want to get on the Today Show. They don't get that you could do it in prime time. You could do it at any time now and stream it, but that's how they do it. But it was kind of neat because it gave folks a release and a chance to get really mad about stuff that really doesn't matter. And people were in a frothy frenzy, worked up, either excited about certain nominations or so mad at the Hollywood Foreign Press Association for getting it wrong and using that famous word, they snubbed people. They <laughs> snubbed them, Rokan. It's almost like they snuffed them. I love that term. <laughs> well, okay, I think the most important thing here is to have some context because the Hollywood Foreign Press Association are the people who actually come up with the Golden Globes and yes. been hosting the Golden Globes for 500 years. And they're a very small organization. It's a very cliquish thing. Explain exactly why this sure. is what it is. You know, it sounds like the you know the Paris Climate Accords. I, mean, I want to thank the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, it's like something straight out of the Mandalorian or something. They're going to rule the world. It's about 90 
members, Ro. And here are the qualifications to be a member of the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. You have to actually have a residence in Southern California. Uh, you have to write or take pictures even for organizations, media outlets that are outside of the United States. And here's here's the really grueling part. You have to have at least four articles and or pictures published every year to retain your membership. Four, four which I call Tuesday morning, <laughs> and most critics and reviewers do. And some of them are esteemed journalists. A lot of them are actually the you know the junketeers. They do the interviews. Uh, you'll you'll see, you know you've seen movies like uh, Notting Hill that kind of takes you into that junket experience. And not exactly the most esteemed group. But listen, the Golden Globes have done a brilliant marketing job. As you know, there were years back in the day it was considered such a joke. It wasn't even on television. Right. Then it was relegated to basic cable when basic cable was barely a thing. NBC picked it up and they've done a great job. And the, the reason why people take the Golden Globes seriously now is because Hollywood does. Well, Dick Clark changed yep. it because yep. Dick Clark Productions took it over. They got it on NBC. It, it's a really interesting occasion because everybody's drunk at it they sit around yep. round tables like they're at a big banquet dinner there's champagne on the table they're drunk when they're arriving there during the red carpet they get even drunker while they're sitting there and not eating dinner and getting <laughs> nervous because none of those actors eat anyway <laughs> and then when the award presenters or the acceptees get is that a word get up sure. there and actually do what they're doing they are so crocked the later the show goes it's even better what i really love <laughs> is when they have like the i don't know cecil b demille award or whatever it is where yeah. they give it to some gigantic star or producer and that guy is absolutely freaking blotto yeah it always ends up saying something like you know that kirk douglas was overrated let me tell you something about spartacus <laughs> you're like what as you're talking about but what you said is exactly true. Usually at the uh, Beverly Hilton, you see it, and you see all these stars, and it's so great to see how they're seated at these tables that are crammed together, and the TV people are relegated to the back. So when someone wins for Scrubs or Shits Creek <laughs> or whatever the case may be, they have to kind of go, excuse me, Mr. Nicholson, sorry, Mr. Beatty, uh, Mr. Streep, big fan of yours. By the time, And you're right. And you can see all the upside-down bottles of champagne right. in the buckets there. So that's the deal with the, with the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. Bro, to me, it's like, What's that? What's the town in New Hampshire? Uh, Gobbler's Knob or, or uh, Dixville? What is it? Dixville. Dixville Notch. Dixville Notch. Yeah. Okay, that's the. T you know, they always do the first votes, right? And you see, like, you know, in the town of Dixville Notch, six votes for Adlai Stevenson, three for <laughs> Dwight D. Eisenhower. That's what the Hollywood Foreign Press Association is. And then the Emotion Picture Academy, which has nearly ten thousand members, that would be like the United States of America. I like all the TV shows. I really don't care who wins so much as I like watching the acceptance. I think that that's what we're all about because it. Really only matters to them and their accountants with the oscars the truth is it's still considered the probably most prestigious award in all of entertainment and that will be the lead line of your obituary or any tribute to you the golden globes you know it's once in a while you'll see like an advertisement for a movie to be like academy award winner denzel washington academy award winner remy Malik, golden globe nominee you know and you're kind of like whoever the other person is it's still it's okay but like let's just remember for example back in the 70s there was one year where Raquel Welch won the Golden Globe over like Cloris Leachman and all these other great actresses because she was in the Three Musketeers and the Hollywood Foreign Press Association liked her. To win a Golden Globe, if you figure out there are maybe 90 voters and there are five nominees, you can get like 20 votes and win a Golden Globe. And in some cases, the winners might be deserving, but they also might be really great interviews. And there have been some famous cases where if actors haven't gone on junkets or didn't want to talk to the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, they don't get nominated. 
and let me just say there's a little bit of a perversion to the Hollywood Foreign Press, too, because for years they would do Miss Golden Globe and they would find some actress who was the daughter of another famous actor or actress. They'd yeah. trot her out in a beautiful ball gown and they were going to make her the next great superstar. And in some cases, some of those people actually did go on to it, but now they've had to make it Mr. and Mrs. Golden Globe the or kids, something like the that. Whole well, like it's going to be Spike Lee's children this year will be the honorees, which is a little bit uh, bittersweet given that the uh, Hollywood Foreign Press Association neglected to give a nomination to The Five Bloods, the great Spike Lee epic, which should have been nominated for Best Picture. And really missed the boat by not nominating Delroy Lindo. Okay, we'll get to all of that. Who got nominated, who got snubbed, and who cares? We're going to find out all about that. But first this. I'm Bob Burke, founder and chairman of Burke America Parts Group, a family of brands that includes RepairClinic.com, an appliance and HVAC parts solution company that's grown into an international brand. Before AmericanEagle.com, we partially launched a new technology platform developed by another firm. American Eagle helped take our technology to a whole new level with digital marketing, software development, and business insights into our key markets, appliances, HVAC, and outdoor power equipment, and did so both on time and on budget. AmericanEagle.com has the resources, experience, and talent needed to produce solutions. Our new technology platform developed by AmericanEagle.com has produced tremendous results with higher traffic, conversion, engagement, and online revenue. If you have any home repairs you need to take care of, check us out at RepairClinic.com. If you need a world-class website or technology project, then I would highly recommend AmericanEagle.com. Call AmericanEagle.com at 773-NETWORK. That's AmericanEagle.com, 773-NETWORK. Screen time with Roe and Roper. The Golden Globe nominations, the nominees are in, and I guess we'll start with the biggest categories here. Mm -hmm. Best score in a limited TV series that no one saw unless they had pop TV and were able to sync it up to Amazon Prime Video plus Disney Plus equals Hulu. Is that the category you were thinking? Best performance by an actor in a television series, music or comedy? Because that's what they do with the Golden Globes. They got music or comedy and drama, right? Because they want to split everything up. And, mm -hmm. and it does make the show go on longer, which means that people are that much drunker by the end. Here are the nominees. Don Cheadle. For Black Monday, Nicholas Holt for The Great, Eugene Levy for Shit's Creek, Jason Sudeikis for Ted Lasso, and Rami Youssef for Rami. Interesting category. Shit's Creek is uh, now off the air, so to speak. You know, it's had its sixth and final year. I thought it was a terrific show. It is a show that took a while for people to get used to it or find it and, and really celebrate. This is the first time that it's been nominated for Best Comedy Series and Eugene Levy getting nominated. There's a lot of groundswell for that Ted Lasso. Yeah, Jason Sudeikis. I love it's it. It's terrific. And, you know, Ro, it's amazing because that character was created for a series of television commercials, right? Right. And that was like maybe in the mid-2010s right? Uh, when the Premier League was coming, I believe. Right, NBC. for NBC Sports Network. So they created this character of this mid-level college football coach in the United States who goes over across the pond to become a soccer and or football coach and knows nothing of the game. One more person says something that me and Beard don't understand, I'm going to have one of my son's classic temper tantrums. It's basically just him calling me a bunch of silly names, you know, like, uh, I don't know, dummy head or poo-poo face or poo-poo dummy or, I don't know, what am I missing? Pee-pee fingers. Pee-pee fingers. Now, believe it or not, they have tried to make television series off of TV commercials before. They actually tried to put the Geico cavemen and give them their own <laughs> sitcom. Right. Yeah. That didn't work. I'm going to go way back and tell you that they actually tried, they made an entire 
a television movie about the famous ad where Mean Joe Green threw the jersey to the kid after the kid let him drink his uh, soft drink, and they made a whole TV movie. They expanded it into an entire story. Mm-hmm. In this case, it's surprising, I think, how smart and funny and moving and well-produced and well-photographed Ted Lasso is. Beautifully done. I often wonder how it's being received by British audiences because it's all over the world because it is about Mm -hmm. soccer, which is the number one sport in the world. It's pretty faithful to what really goes on in the Premier League. I'm one of those nerds. I'm a soccer Mm -hmm. nerd, and I I love Premier League football. But Mm -hmm. the point is that if you are British and you're watching it, they are respectful to the sport. It's not like they're not using real teams or real rivalries. However, they have to explain the rules all the time and explain how it works. They came up with the brilliant conceit of Ted Lasso's longtime best friend and his assistant knows the game inside out, so he keeps explaining it to Ted, which is how (laughs) people like me understand it. I will tell you this, Road, to your point, the show is actually filmed and shot in Great Britain, in and around London, and I had a chance to talk to some of the people who work on it, almost all British, and they talked about how they really were impressed how... The Ted Lasso folks wanted to get things right. What would a pub look like? What would a uniform, a kit, I believe they right, call it. Right, kit, like. yeah. So mm-hmm. it's a good show. I think it's going to win. Okay. Now, this actually is a great category. Best Actress in a Television Series, Musical, or Comedy. And this has got Kaylee Cuoco for Flight Attendant, Elle Fanning for The Great, Jane Levy for Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, and Catherine O'Hara for Shits Creek. Boy, that Shits Creek table is going to be shit-faced <laughs> at the Golden Globes. You can tell yeah. that. I loved Kaylee Cuoco and Flight Attendant. Yeah, it's kind of cool because she was on that Big Bang Theory, which is a show I never really got into. It just seemed like the same plot, you know, week after week. The nerd would meet the pretty girl, and then they'd get a chance to meet Bill Gates or some nonsense. I don't know what the hell is going on there. But <laughs> Flight Attendant really plays to her strengths because it's it's kind of a, a edgy, dark comedy, and she's terrific in it. Uh, but I'll tell you, with, with Catherine O'Hara, who's been around forever... She's doing something that nobody's ever seen before with that character. She has done the voice and the mannerisms and the line readings are incredible. They swept the Emmys, Schitt's Creek, this year. And again, it took a while for people to kind of, you know, kind of catch on to it. So I think she's going to be tough to beat. Okay. Now, actress in a television series drama, Olivia Coleman, The Crown, Jodie Comer for Killing Eve, Emma Corrin for The Crown, Laura Linney, Ozark, Sarah Paulson, Ratchet. Now, Olivia Coleman should run away with this for the crown, but there are two crown entries in here, and they always split the vote. Yeah, but she'll win anyway. I mean, she is amazing. Although, you know, the, the crown, I do like the crown. I know people. some people are obsessed with it. I have to say, they're the worst human beings in the world. When I watch that show, I'm just like, oh, my God, you're all just the worst. And look, there could be great shows about everybody's the worst. Breaking Bad, The Sopranos. I mean, there are a lot right. of shows where you're like, wow, there's no one really to root for. They're all antiheroes, but especially in the crown. What a bunch of whining royal babies through the generations. And the worst is usually like that Prince Philip guy. It's always like the guy that, you know, is married. Into, oh, I forgot to put on this again and wave to the people again. I don't care for the people. He, Shut up. His family were like Nazis. He wasn't even a British citizen at the time. It was it was crazy. They're very icy, too. Yeah. Even when they're, oh, I'll mourn your death. I love you terribly so. Although the thing is, like in England, they love this show because they get the characterizations exactly right. And Olivia Coleman gets exactly the posture and the expression on the face of the queen and all that. I mean, she's so good at this. And you can tell, I mean, I think the one interesting thing about The Crown is it lets you into the little secret of the royal family in England, which is they know they're stealing. They know that they're just simply a tourist attraction in yeah, England. That's true. 
But then Winston Churchill has to come in and, you know, kowtow to him. And it's John Lithgow, who's about a foot and a half taller than Winston Churchill. But that's a whole other thing to talk about. Right. Early season's been uh, very good. I got This was the Princess Diana season yes. that is uh, up for this. There is some juicy stuff. And it's also something that most people our age and younger remember. Yeah. And, and you have to say again, and I know that some, you know, representatives of the royal family are saying that this is all fiction and all this because, you know, Prince Charles, oh my God, he comes off. He comes <laughs> off as the worst of the worst. <laughs> Jeez. Well, kind of adult, actually. But yes, again, I sort of love the fact that we're doing that with him. All right. Here we have actor in a limited series or motion picture made for television. So this isn't a series. This could be a limited series of like eight shows or a single show. Again, we are so splitting the baby here. Yeah. They always say it's it's only going to be eight episodes. And then it does really well. And then there's a season two. But some of them are self-contained, like The Undoing with Hugh Grant and Nicole Kidman. And it's a murder mystery. It, you know, It's like the big little lies and all the pretty little liars and all kinds of different little things where it's a self-contained <laughs> series. And those really are limited series. Right. So you got Brian Cranston for Your Honor, Jeff Daniels for The Comey Rule, Hugh Grant for The Undoing, you just mentioned, Mark Ruffalo, I Know This Much to Be True, Ethan Hawke, The Good Lord Bird. Now, because this is the Hollywood Foreign Press, Hugh Grant wins this thing. Yeah, and he is terrific in, in The Undoing because he's playing off the persona he used to have in the 90s as the lovable rake, and now he is the rake you want to despise. And he looks his age, he still looks great and everything, but he's terrific in there. They actually aged him for it. And that's what I kind of like about Hugh Grant, because Hugh Grant has figured out that he's no longer the romantic, shy, leading guy who just you know has that pouty face and yeah. aw shucks kind of manner. He gets that he's a great actor, which he is, and he gets to go play these kind of like roles that are very, very nuanced. And this one is one that is very nuanced without giving too much away. It is pretty interesting to watch him. I mm-hmm. thought the series itself took a lot of shortcuts and made itself into a little bit of a parody of a mystery was, procedural. Yeah, it definitely was a, a, a more than a little lurid. And uh, there were, you know, lots of jokes have been made because it's like Nicole Kidman always looks unbelievable. Even when she's like fainting in Central Park because she's being overwhelmed by the fact that maybe her husband or maybe her son is a murderer. She falls to the ground with this like $3,000 coat draped around her <laughs> and her long red tendrils. And she looks like she's in a Disney animated film, you know. So it had a lot of style to it. Yeah, it did have a lot of style. And it was shot in New York, and New York looked really good and cool, and people weren't wearing masks, and that was kind of fun to see. Maybe one day again, we'll see that. All right, best performance by an actress in a limited series or motion picture made for television. So same concept here. Kate Blanchett for Mrs. America. Daisy Edgar-Jones for Normal People. Shira Haas for Unorthodox. Nicole Kidman for The Undoing. And Anya Taylor-Joy for The Queen's Gambit. Could she possibly lose in this? Category? No, she's going to win, and she should. It's a remarkable performance in a in a brilliant series, and that's one of those I have to say, Ro. When I when we talk about how I see things in advance, and I get, hey, there's this limited series, and hey, there's that, and I pick and choose and come up with maybe ten that I'm going to review in any given week. And when I first heard about the Queen's Gambit, I'm like, okay, Anya Taylor Joy has done some interesting stuff. This is not based on a true story. A lot of people think it is. It's a you know, it's a kind of wholly original, and I thought. I don't know how many people are really going to want to watch a movie about a female chess prodigy in the 1950s and 60s who has a pill addiction. Well, I was wrong because, it, you know, it swept the nation, it swept the world. She'll win for sure. You should see the places they play in the Soviet Union. I'm planning on it. You have to get past me first. I'm planning on that too. 
That's some of your top stuff in the television category. In the movie category, let's move on to best actor in a motion picture, musical or comedy. You got Sasha Baron Cohen for Borat, subsequent movie film, James Corden for The Prom, Lin-Manuel Miranda, Hamilton, Dev Patel, The Personal History of David Copperfield, and Andy Samberg, Palm Springs. This is such a Golden Globey selection of actors here, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. And they all deserve it, but there are a lot of actors that you don't normally immediately think of as award-winning thespians. Andy Samberg, I'm happy for him. Palm Springs is terrific. People should check that out. It's kind of a variation on Groundhog Day. What they did with the personal history of David Copperfield with Dev Patel is it's one of those colorblind casting, and they kind of reimagine the story brilliantly done. James Corden and The Prom, a lot of people hated him in that. They hated him in that. I thought he was fine, but that was a surprise. And Lin-Manuel Miranda, of course, Hamilton, we know how great he is, but the Sacha Baron Cohen nomination is kind of interesting, and he might win this thing. Yeah, he's right up the alley of the Hollywood foreign press. They're going to love him, and his speech is going to be great, and... This year, because of COVID, obviously, it's going to be done virtually, right? So all the actors are going to be at home on Skype or whatever it happens mm -hmm. to be. But I, I sort of firmly believe that we'll be seeing something from him that's pretty unique. And speaking of that, his co-star is nominated for Best Actress as well. And again, we have this motion picture musical comedy category. So you have 10 acting nominees total in the main categories. And it's, it's kind of cool because some of these are not going to get nominated for Academy Awards. So Maria Bakalova, who might very well win, is nominated in this category. Kate Hudson for a film called Music. And I'll tell you a little bit about that in a second row. Michelle Pfeiffer's terrific in a film called French Exit. Rosamund Pike for I Care A Lot. And then Anya Taylor-Joy, we just mentioned for Emma. She's already going to get her globe for playing chess. So she's not going to get one for Emma. <laughs> okay. What about that Kate Hudson movie, Music? It hasn't played in the United States as of this recording. That is correct. And a lot of people were stunned on social media. They're like, what is this movie? Kate Hudson is nominated for a film called Music. It's actually filmed about three and a half years ago. Uh, it is the brainchild of Sia, the writer, songwriter, singer, and she wrote and directed this. And Kate Hudson plays the drug-addicted troubled older sister of a teenager who's autistic and has to start taking care of her even though she hasn't been in her life so you know very kind of schmaltzy story uh you're right i haven't seen it so i won't prejudge it i will say that the australian critics have seen it and it's uh, got that rotten uh thing on the rotten tomatoes there you know a lot of people had a lot of problems with this film just from the trailers and how it treats the subject matter but that's the movie for people who are wanting the movie's called music best actor in a motion picture drama you got chadwick boseman for ma rainey's black bottom Riz Ahmed for The Sound of Metal, Anthony Hopkins for The Father, Gary Oldman for Mank, and Tahar Rahim for The Mauritanian. Chadwick Boseman, this is a lock. This would be a 1 to 100 bet on FanDuel. I would think so. And first of all, the performance is brilliant by the late Chadwick Boseman. But the truth is there have been posthumous Golden Globes and Oscars. Peter Finch for Network is, is a famous example. Uh, so there's this groundswell of sentiment, and it'll be kind of a career achievement award. The, the cast, the nominees here are terrific, Row, You have Anthony Hopkins and Gary Oldman. These are Academy Award winners. And if people haven't had a chance, Sound of Metal and The Mauritanian are two films you definitely want to check out. Mauritanian's just coming out for most folks in the next week or two. But I agree with you. Chadwick Boseman will win the Golden Globe, and he'll go on to win the Oscar. I'm going to give me a band and make me some records. I didn't give him a stutter, man, some of my songs I wrote, and he said he's going to let me record them when I get my band together. I just got to finish the last part of this song. I got style. Oh, everybody got style. Style ain't nothing. We're keeping the same idea from beginning to end. Everybody got it. Everybody can't play like I do. It's kind of like Hamilton in a sense. 
that it feels like they're filming it on a stage. Right. But it is so great. The performances are so great. And this may be Chadwick Boseman's great coda, that final performance of his career that will stick with you for the rest of your life. I agree, and you're absolutely right about Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Um, some of the musical numbers are fully, you know, full-fledged performance numbers where they don't cut away after 30 seconds, and incredible uh, set design production in that film as well. Okay, let's talk about actresses in a drama. We've got Viola Davis for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Andra Day for the United States versus Billie Holiday. That's a film that most people still haven't seen yet, but she's terrific. Vanessa Kirby in Pieces of a Woman. Frances McDormand in Nomadland. And Carrie Mulligan in Promising Young Woman. Two previous Academy Award winners here with Viola Davis and Frances McDormand. I I, I really don't know how this one's going to go, Ro. All five performances are spectacular. I'm a big Frances McDormand fan. She's won twice. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Nomadland is actually my pick for the best film of 2020. People will get a chance to see that. And I'll tell you very briefly, it's set in the financial crisis of the late 2000s. And she plays a widow who loses her job and has to kind of take to the road in a van in not the greatest motorhome you've ever seen. And there was this whole nomad community that would go through the Southwest of hundreds and hundreds of people and kind of move from place to place, all based on real-life, true stories, and she's incredible in this film. Nomadland, Frances McDormand. It sounds pretty good right now, doesn't it? Like, you get a nice camper, and you just get on the road, and you stay away from everybody else. Well, pretty much so, but, you know, they, they kind of supported each other, and one of the cool things about the movie is a lot of the actors who are in the film are not actors. They're actual nomads who are out there and have been out there living in their motorhomes for years. Best picture, musical or comedy? Musical or comedy. Okay, we have The Prom, which was the big Netflix production with everybody doing those crazy musical numbers. Palm Springs, which of course is a comedy. The aforementioned Music is also nominated for Uh Best Picture Musical Comedy. Uh, Borat, subsequent movie film. And Hamilton, which got a nomination here as it should, Ro, because what they did with Hamilton was they filmed it over three days. Uh, three different performances. Then they brought in all these extra microphones and cameras. They restaged it. To me, it's a movie. The Academy Award says it can't be considered a movie, so it can't get nominated. But it did get nominated here. I, I can't imagine that music is going to win, but then I didn't think it was going to get nominated. So I don't know. Maybe <laughs> Borat wins. It could be the Golden Globe winner for Best Picture. Sweeps the Golden Globe. Wow. We could see that as the headline. There you go. As a matter of fact, come back to this podcast and say that we said that Borat's going to win go the whole that. damn thing, including Maria Bakalova, the actress, because she had that whole situation with Giuliani. Her performance is really, if you've seen that movie, you realize that they're doing that gonzo style. The people around them do not realize that they're actors. And they're actually putting themselves in physical danger while doing it. She steals that movie. So so. you're saying if if Borat wins... And the two lead actors wins, mm-hmm. not since Silence of the Lambs with Jodie Foster and Anthony <laughs> Hopkins. Have we seen yeah. such a sweep? Put down your crumb. She's 15. She's too old for you. What, what, she, why are you she, no, like she's it? my daughter. Please, take me instead. Take my anus. No, no, take my anus. Do not have her. I'm better than him. No, I better. Well, what's going on here? Look at this guy. I forbid this union. Rudy, Trump will be disappointed. You are leaving hotel without golden shower. That's what I'm saying. All right. And then now for Best Motion Picture Drama for the Golden Globes, you got The Father, Mank, No Man Land, you just mentioned, Promising Young Woman, and Trial of the Chicago 7. 
And the father stars the great Sir Anthony Hopkins, speaking of the Silence of the Lambs, and he plays a, a gentleman who's got the onset of dementia and is having all kinds of problems with reality. Olivia Coleman's in that as well. Mank is a, you know, the, based on the true story of the guy that wrote Citizen Kane and went through all kinds of madness. We just mentioned Nomad Land. Promising Young Woman is a really cool, edgy, trippy film. Carrie Mulligan is incredible there, very thought-provoking, very of our time. And then The Trial of Chicago 7 is a film that I loved and thought would get even more love in the awards categories, some people, for whatever reason, had problems with it. I thought Aaron Sorkin did a brilliant job. Yeah, the writing, the directing was beautiful. Sasha Baron Cohen is in that as well. Yeah, he could have been role. nominated for Best Supporting Actor for that. Yeah. Uh, I, I do think that Nomadland wins. When people see the film, and I know, I know the way I describe it, people think, am I going to want to watch this? And I'm like, yes, it's, it's a great American story. It's kind of the grapes of wrath of our generation of our time where it's you know it's about a very tough period in the american time but also about the triumph of the american spirit tough title because people are going to think it's going to be something that's going to depress them yeah well they're right (laughs) get over it (laughs) okay very good and i also want to just say one thing i so look forward to mank because i love that period of film and i love those old hollywood stories and i was so disappointed by it it just didn't ever gel i think you know david fincher is such a great director he's like a great musician only great artists can sometimes do things that people go i don't know what they're doing because they can play with so many different tools in the toolbox and with the black and white and then he wanted to kind of recreate the spectacle of the era but then he had this sort of chamber drama with mank in the bed it was almost like five different movies and it was kind of hard i know for a lot of folks myself included to keep track of what was right. going on. And Gary Oldman, who's a great actor, is about 25 years older than Mank was at the time, and he even plays him as a younger man. So that was kind of disconcerting. So I people wanted to love it, and it, I think at best respected it and admired it. I did respect it. I did not admire it. Something that I loved, and it was a guilty pleasure, but I got totally, totally, totally snubbed here, Bridgerton from Netflix. I thought Bridgerton would be, you know, so Golden Globes friendly because it's hugely popular. It's one of the most popular shows in Netflix history. And it's got the costumes and it's got the great looking people. And it's, you know, very, very, very loosely based on reality, but is stylized history of what it was like in early 19th century society. And nothing for Bridgerton. You'll get nothing and like it. <laughs> I don't get it at all. I was shocked. I thought it would have like eight Golden Globe nominations. Right. It's beautifully acted because everybody's kind of doing that old school Emma Jane Eyre kind yes. of thing that goes on. There's great, great sex. And it's beautifully done. Did you done. say sex or sets? Because I was going to talk sex. about the magnificent sets. No, no. Sex. The, yeah. the yeah. intercourse it's, it's, in this yeah. show. Shonda is Rhimes spe- is the showrunner there, and she doesn't hesitate. You know, She brings it. I just saw an interview with the lead actress, Phoebe Dynevor, in which she discusses how they did those sex scenes. They had to have a female sex coach, and the only reason that she actually felt safe is because it wasn't a male director telling her what to do. That has become, and I think this is a, a, a great stride forward for Hollywood and for international productions for everyone, that has become the norm now where there's an advisor on set. A lot of actresses have talked about the fact that they often didn't feel comfortable when there was just men on the set, including male directors. Kira Knightley has said now that you know she wouldn't do a nude scene anymore unless she felt like she was in a safer environment. So I think there's a lot more respect involved. And that all being said, it still results in very, very steamy 
oh. uh, love sequences in Bridgerton, and it's got and the costumes and everything just absolutely beautifully done. I don't want to get too caught in the weeds on all this, but when you watch Netflix, HBO Max, all those other over the top networks, you're seeing a lot of really realistic sex. Well, that's interesting too because actually sex. And sexuality is something that has largely been removed from mainstream movies over the years. If you look back the 70s and the 80s, there were far more movies that were rated R for sexually explicit content and sometimes controversial. A lot of it is because the movies are so expensive, they got to be PG or PG-13 to bring in the money. And also that the, you know, the Marvel Universe and the superhero movies have kind of taken over large-scale motion pictures when we get back to the theaters. So it's the limited series. It's the HBOs, which you know, led the way 20 years ago, but now Amazon Prime and Hulu and Netflix. They can do anything they want. You know, They'll put the ratings up there. It's TVMA, and sometimes they'll give descriptions like, what, for suggestive smoking in the rain? What do you mean? <laughs> but they can put on anything they want. They're not going through right, uh, the motion picture board to, you know, and, and getting an NC-17 like back in the day and being told what to cut. They can put out there what they want to put out there. And I think for a lot of actors... Not just the sexuality, but just the the mature content and the fact that they can play edgier characters. That's why so many great actors are drawn to television. I love it. This is really the golden age for everything. The cinematic arts are in their greatest glory. You know, the great thing, too, is we've talked about David Fincher and a lot of other great directors have said, you know what, I have a chance to express myself in television. Certainly a lot of actors, when you hit 40 in Hollywood, you used to be kind of done or you had to play somebody's grandmother. Now they get these great vehicles. So there's all these different opportunities. If you took every show, every limited series that was nominated for a Golden Globes and put them all aside, you could have a whole new set of awards for the shows that didn't get mentioned at all. Right. And, and are just as good. And performances. Well, there was that thing where they were all on a boat with what's-her-name that wins everything, wins every Oscar. <laughs> like, if the Golden Globes... But are you talking about Let Them All Talk? Yes, if the Golden... <laughs> Meryl Streep with... What, they're all on a boat. I thought you were talking about Titanic for a second there. And let's, and let's just mention, too, like, you know, we mentioned with Meryl Streep and people were like, oh, she didn't get nominated for The Prom. She didn't get nominated for the Soderbergh movie. She has 32 Golden Globe nominations and nine Golden Globes. She probably doesn't even want a tenth. She'd have to turn it into, like, a bowling lane, all ten of them lined up. Use her Cable Ace Award to knock him down. <laughs> I just don't understand it at all. That movie was like made for the Hollywood foreign press. Steven Soderbergh, who I absolutely adore. I think he's the greatest director of his generation. But the reality is that when he sat down and wanted to make that movie, he thought, you know, this is really going to get us a Golden Globe, if nothing else. Uh, they're, a, they're a funny bunch. Yeah. That Hollywood Foreign Press Association. Hey, they sure are. All right. Our next podcast is going to be dropping on Tuesday, February 9th. Please subscribe. Please tell all your friends. Do not snub us. <laughs> the Roan Roper Podcast is brought to you by AmericanEagle.com Studios. AmericanEagle.com is a full-service global digital agency providing best-in-class web design, development, hosting, and digital marketing services. Plus, there's much more. Visit AmericanEagle.com for more information.